You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The offseason is beginning to cool down, but since we last spoke to you, the Flyers have made three additional moves in the in the offseason. And now, what does it all mean? Let's talk about it all right now. This it is, is the episode Orange and 84 of Orange and Backcheck. So Scott glad you are with us. Uh, a lot to get to. Uh, Scott Weinhardt, as always. You know, Scott, I, I actually... I, I did a you today before we recorded... I, I and we're recording on Sunday, uh, August eighth. Today was Roy Holiday's retirement for the Philadelphia Phillies, and it got me doing to what you like to do: reminisce, figure out the think about the past. And you know, I, like maybe it's just the juices flowing of this these local Phillies team getting hot and 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 the Eagles and all that stuff. But when you retire a, a guy like Roy Holiday's number, and Roy Holiday came here in. December of 2009, right on the cusp of the Flyers making a run themselves to get to the Stanley Cup final uh, that year. I don't know. Like, maybe it's just, like I said, the juice is flowing. But thinking about what happened in the era of sports for the Philadelphia area, obviously the World Series before Roy Holiday got here. But when Roy Holiday got here, it kind of escalated this whole new fever of Philadelphia sports, not just Roy Holiday and the Phillies. Flyers got hot. The Sixers were the Sixers. They had the playoff run then, uh, but obviously then they tanked. Excuse me, then they tanked. Eagles were on the cusp of the end of the Andy Reid era, but it was also the Chip Kelly kind of a lot of fun, but also fizzled out. But overall, the Roy Holiday signing back in December of two thousand nine just kind of triggered off this like short stint of 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 a high. And it, it was just really cool to think about today when when they were retiring Roy's number and obviously they won today as well. So hopefully that's a good sign for things to come, especially that the Phillies are getting hot. Flyers I'm buying into. We'll talk about that in just a second. But I don't know. Did you do you ever like do you ever think about that? Did you think about that when we were saw Roy Holiday's number get retired today and just be like, you know, things are could be looking up here for Philadelphia sports. I don't know. Maybe it's well, just the Kool-Aid. It did bring back a lot of good memories. And don't mind me if I voice trails in and out. I have a new addition to my family, a 14-year-old, a 14-week-old kitten. So he's all over the place right now. Um, <laughs> His name so, is Coco, the black yeah, cat. Yep, Coco. So The um, official black cat of the Orange and Backcheck podcast. Yes, so. the official cat of Orange and Backcheck. And see, yeah. I have an orange cat, an orange tabby, and I have a black cat now. So you tell me that I'm not like, and I didn't pick either out. We so, should actually make a secondary logo with their image. I think that's... that. that I'm discussing things that we should be discussing behind the scenes, 
but let's talk about it now. We should have a secondary logo with the uh, two orange and black cats. <laughs> yes. Uh, but to go back to your point, uh, yeah, like I, you know, seeing something like that today, I remember where I was like when, you know, not specifically, but I remember where I was at in my life when, when uh, Rural Holiday was signed and how it was so pumped that, you know, you come off the World Series and then the year after they, they go back again and you had Roy Holiday and you're like, man, like this is really like going in a good spot. The Flyers were, you know, had added Chris Pronger that summer, Ray Emery, and they had sure the team for that final run later upcoming that season. You know, things were good. I was living in Maniac at the time, I was down Main Street all the Yunk. time. Yeah, yep. like I was a young strapping lad, and uh, it, 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 well, as much as I can be strapping, but uh, <laughs> I, you know, I remember it, things were just good, especially you know, it's the weird thing when you go back and you reminisce when sports are good, you kind of have things are things are overall really good because it, you know, a lot of people take a lot of stock in their life. Like yeah. the other day, I noticed on on uh, on on Twitter was just the intro from the 0708 Flyers team. And I remember watching that and I'm like, man, like I remember being there. I remember how that team had like a makeover, like this 2021 team. And it just got me jacked up. Like, man, like, you know, they went from that intro of introducing the new players to like this 300 intro where they just had, you got totally jacked. And I'm thinking, man, like I'm like ready for this team this year. Like I'm ready for what the additions they've made and the changes that they've made there. I really feel like that. I am more excited to watch hockey than I have been in a real long time. And, yeah. that, and, that, and that includes the 1920 season, which you thought they were pretty good. It's Carter Hart's full season, first full season. They kind of got younger. But now it's like this is a team that I look at this on paper, and this is a team I expect to go into the playoffs and go deep into the playoffs. And you see my cat running around behind me. Um, it's uh, – I, I, to bring up your point, yes, I, I thought it was – just always brings back good memories when you see those things from days of, of glory and you just come out and like, man, like how fortunate were we to live through some of those moments, you know, that <clears throat> we'll tell our kids about and tell them about how all the fun we had. I remember after the Phillies won the world series, you know, it's one thing if you're a Phillies fan, but yeah. like, you've never seen a championship your entire life. I remember exactly what happened. I saw the pitch five seconds for anybody else in my dorm when I was living at temple. And because we had HD and nobody else did. So we got, I started screaming. We all ran down the hallway. We all ran down Broad Street. I was going down Gerard. Some random dude just threw a beer at me. It was awesome. And then we ran all the way down to City Hall and he got to experience it. And like, you know, you look back at that era and like, man, like it was just incredible. And you got to relive a little bit when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. But you don't realize how much when it's actually like a good thing of, of how much it can have an impact because you won't understand the Eagles impact until a long time down the line. Yeah. They're probably not good for a couple of years when you, you go through when the Phillies had their struggles years ago and now they're getting good again. He brings that excitement back and yeah, man, I'm, in, I'm totally in with you. I can totally reminisce all day about those types of things. That's just it, it. When sports are good in your city, things over are really good and you have a lot more memories that way because it brings us all together. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, and I'm like I said earlier, I, I'm, starting to buy into this team, the Flyers team. Uh, obviously, last episode, I, I was a little hesitant on the signings, just in terms of getting older while giving up youth. You gave up several youth guys for the benefit of trying to be more of a leadership uh, presence. But as the weeks went on, and we obviously released a few of the quick shifts that you are, are so ele elegantly put together, and it's they're incredible. But like, as I'm listening to them, I'm buying more and more in because it, I think Fletcher has a plan, but it's the classic high risk, high reward. 
Because if this this could easily fall flat on his face. It, like, okay. I just look at it, like I said, the comparison of the 2018-2019, a little bit of the 2020 Philadelphia Eagles. You relied on a veteran presence to get you through the playoffs, to get you to the contendership of what it could be. And obviously it fell flat on its face. Doug Peterson ultimately flat fired. And, and then it just, you're doing a complete regime change there. I see that potentially happening. Maybe not after, not after this season, but certainly in two seasons time, if this doesn't work out, if they're not making consistent playoffs, deep playoff runs, it could fall flat on his face. Now, what I will say is the Keith Yandel site signing might be the most excited signing I may have. I don't know why, because I think Keith Yandel, who comes from Florida, uh, I think because, he, well, it wasn't even just that. It was just the fact that the Chuck Fletcher said, I'm looking for a new leadership presence in the locker room. Yep. And it drew some ire of the question of, is Claude Drew worth the captaincy then if you're changing it there? But he squashed that thing real quick, that that rumor real quick. So it's like, I like the, the plan that Chuck has. I just don't know if this is going to be super successful right off the bat. There's going to be some serious growing pains in the first month and a half, I think. And it could wear on some people very, very quickly. I totally disagree with you. I think you're absolutely wrong there. No disrespect. I think you're wrong. I think it, yeah. with 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 guys coming in here who have some familiarity with each other, Kevin Hayes and yeah. um and and, uh, and Cam Atkinson had some familiar, yeah. yeah Cam yeah. Atkinson had some have some uh, familiarity with each other. They played together in college. They even had a back and forth. They're like, ah, you know, you want to take the number? Ah, you know, you you keep the number. You've had some good, you know, the the camaraderie in the locker room and the the aura that's going to change is the locker room itself. You know, a locker room can't win you everything, but it's really, really a good push and pull like we've talked about on last episodes where, you know, you have different core guys where it's not the same message, not the same guys year in and year out who have, you know, not saying that Jake half-assed it, don't take it that way. But guys who don't play a full 200 feet. Well, he did. I think that's no. I I, I think I think you're a hundred percent right to say that this team half-assed it last season. Even like we talked about, Claude Giroux half-asses it every once in a while. He he comes up big in big moments. I think that is one of the bright spots of when you, you talk about the shift in 2011 or 2012. Yeah, and but that, you're also talking about a 34-year-old Claude right. Giroux, not a 25-year-old Claude Giroux. Right. I, what I'm saying is, like, Claude Giroux manages to step up when the action calls for it. But he, the problem is, and maybe it isn't just him, it was the people surrounding him, the Jake Voracek's that are now off this team, where the leadership wasn't, in a camaraderie it was just kind of all over the place one voice saying one thing another voice saying another i think what chuck is doing well and this goes to the his point about the veteran leadership is you can make a new regime of leadership whilst keeping the leader which is claude drew in this instance the same because if you have the leaders in unison with claude drew it's all the same. It's exactly what you're looking for. Maybe Chuck saw that the captaincy of Claude Giroux, Giroux, who leads by example, he's not very vocal from what we see, at least. We don't really know what he is behind the scenes. But maybe he was saying one thing. JVR was saying another thing. Well, he's obviously still on the team, but like Voracek was saying another. And it created this disconnect between the leaderships. So when you talk, when we talk about players half-assing it, I don't think you're wrong. I think that's exactly what was the problem this year. And that's why we saw this pretty much 
ironically, not half-assed, half-assed overhaul is the wrong term, but an overhaul nonetheless. It's no, not a complete overhaul, I, but it's a, it's still a small overhaul. It's it's uh, it's. I don't think any overhaul is 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 minor. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think this is anything. I think these moves are major. I think bringing yeah. in a guy like Keith Yangel with his kind of experience on the back end, and people were saying that out there like oh well you had gossip spear you're getting his clone no you're getting a guy with a lot more experience than a guy who knows his role and a guy who's played under elaine Vigneault specific ways because he had really good seasons with him um and with the rangers so that's one way of looking at it another way of looking at it is that you have a guy like cam atkinson like before coming in where he'll have a different take on thing where he was the heart and soul of that uh columbus team for a long time so uh, he brings another type of energy, another type of leadership to lead by example, where you'll get 200 feet out of it. And a lot of what they brought in isn't so much because of locker room things, but they mesh well in the locker room, A. And B, also, they're just – it's a different team. You need a different team out there. We we talked about last season and a lot during the course of it how they're just boring. Now they just needed something to get the fans going in the seats. This is part of it. So this is, this is gearing the Flyers yeah. up for potential bigger changes down the line you know, depending on what happens this season and the following season, because like we have always talked about too, you've got Couturier coming up, you've got Giroud going up. So now you're trying to probably, you know, if it's, you know, that's the case where you have those contracts coming up and you have to decide which direction you're going to go. And if you can bring back both great, if you can only bring up one or the other great, you know, that's the direction where now you're insulating the locker room with a guy, bunch of guys who are leadership and they mesh well together to begin with. So now you're not really, You'll have a change, but it won't be like as much of a culture shock that already because you're already going to have some familiarity there, regardless of what happens down the line. So I look at it this way: Yandel's on a one-year deal. Cam Atkinson's going to be here for a while. The other one they brought into was uh, was uh, Nate Thompson. And Nate Thompson, although people are my whining and groaning after that, as long as he's not playing every single game, Nate Thompson's right. a good depth guy. He's so, a depth guy. He's going to play maybe 50, 60 games at most. Like n- that might even be too. That many, probably but, even I would say yeah. half. I'd say he's a you know he's he's a fourth line guy no matter for, what. For, 41, you, 45 games, something but, like that. And now here's here's the here's the thing is that you know we talk about the locker room. But here's the key is that now you've solidified yourself down the middle. You have Kateria, you have Kevin Hayes, you have Scott Lawton. You can switch in, in and out your fourth, depending on which direction you want to go. And Nate Thompson is an option there because he can play center on the wing. Um, you know, I, I look at this overall, though, from a perspective of, okay, they, they changed the core. They shook things up. They brought in a guy like Keith Yandel because, yes, they got added more depth on their defense, have familiarity with Lane Vigneault, knows what Vigneault wants him to do. If you need an offensive punch, you can switch guys in and out of the lineup that way because he's going to drive you, drive your offense a little more. I just feel like they got a lot more bullets to the chamber this year, and mm-hmm. I think they're going to be able to fire off more. And I, I just yeah. think that they have some more ammunition here to really go with that. I wouldn't, I don't want to go in too deep if it's so much a, you know, like, yeah, is the locker room going to cohesive or that? There, everything's going to be fine like that, but it, it shakes up the team enough knowing that really nobody is safe. So if you're going to trade a guy like Jake Voracek, even though we talked about this from episode two, that this would be the off season to do it in. Um, th- this is, this is the key to understand is that this is also that that's a major move in its own. You know, you shook up your back end by adding Ryan Ellis, you know, you know, people forget that by now. And then you had bringing a guy like Keith handle with his experience. Nate Thompson is another veteran guy. And to bring up a big goaltender and Martin Jones as your backup. So, you know, this whole entire team really changed a whole lot. So you're, I, look, I, 
but I feel like they're rejuvenated, if that makes sense. I just feel like this team is kind yes. of rejuvenated in a sense where it's like, okay, now you have a different energy in the room. It's not the same energy from the Hextall era to, to what Vigneault's had to do with from, you know, the Drew and Voracek and just Katuri. Now you have a different energy surrounding those guys, and hopefully it could push him to the next level. I, and I, I and honestly, important. no, and you're right. And honestly, and we really haven't even touched on this, the, the impact that AV has on the moves. I'm sure he had a hand in this to some degree. And we've talked about it when they hired AV. He's he can ride young guys or not just complete like get away from them very easily. So I'm wondering if the discussions early on in this postseason or in this offseason between uh Chuck and AV was just like, do we want to continue hoping that these young guys rebound and go back into their progression of growth because as he said they plateaued they regressed they didn't we saw some ugly things happen for for this youth team for the youth uh prospects on this team and it's like maybe the discussion easily was i don't care how how what what it takes we got to get more veteran leadership so you have the ryan ellis's ristolainen and that's exactly what happened so this is the I've, like I said, I'm buying into that this is a perfect setup for AV to have the veteran leadership that he's looking for while still respecting Claude Giroux for his potentially final season. And then you have the pieces in place for what you can do for your season beyond this in terms of what your core looks like with Couturier and, and that crew. So, yeah, I think this, like I said, I've I've bought into this because – Look, they needed a shakeup. We've been talking about a shakeup for several months now, yeah. really like a month in while well, a month into this, this season, they were hot, but they never felt really. So like after the COVID pause, it was really when everyone was going, this team is clearly not as good as we thought. And they needed a shakeup. Now it's funny because everyone that's calling for the shakeup is not happy with this shakeup, which is pretty typical of sports fans. And maybe that's also a reason why I'm like, you know what? This may work out because generally, as sports fans, we're generally wrong. We don't know what we're talking about. I, that's what I've. That's what I've discovered in yeah. my in my. In for the most part, yeah. Like you know, for as much as if we talk at different levels in this and this show too. At the end of the day, it's just it's looking from an outside perspective. And then let's be honest too. Even some guys inside the room don't really know either. It's all a guessing game. Because at yeah. the end of the day, go back to what Brian Burke says. Brian Burke says has one great quote always to say: "There's only one Stanley Cup. There's no there's no reason to sell everything." For, for one season on that but you know look, look at the look at the the with the whole of what they did and how much of a, a makeover they changed this team and i want to say this is that you talk about you know the young guys and it didn't quite work out you know i won't really say nolan patrick i won't use that as an example because he missed Vigneault's first season came back in a shortened season Minus 30. Okay. I think that Nolan Patrick's time was probably done here before even Vigneault got here before all this stuff happened. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, think... I, I think, I think it was close to it. I, I think that Nolan Patrick betted himself this year. He lost big time. And yeah. now you just got to go to a different table and play a different game. I, I, that's one part of it. The other one, I'd say the biggest example of probably Vigneault, the knock on Vigneault coming in here was that he doesn't develop well, young players. Well, I think a great example of that would be Phil Myers because Phil Myers is a guy who had a lot of potential and had shown flashes, a lot of it. And then next thing you know, he's getting 
burnt like Byron Maxwell was in game one of the 2015 season against uh, against Atlanta, where they had the meme where it was literally like a burnt toast on his head uh, against the Rangers when they lost nine, nothing. So Phil Myers was on the ice for six of those nine goals. And then Phil Myers play took a real nosedive this season for a guy who actually played pretty well the year before in the playoffs and actually had a pretty solid playoff season against both the Islanders and the Canadians. He played really, really well to take such a nosedive like that just wasn't a COVID thing. I don't know if it was a confidence issue for him, but for me, it comes back to that's probably a little bit of the knock on Vigneault is that he's not the softest with young guys who need to take a different direction. So that's probably key why you're looking to bring these veteran guys in here to know what they're going to expect out of it. And at the end of the day, if that gets you to where you need to be as far as wins go, then that's fine. Because look, let's be real. Like, the, the Flyers are not far off from literally having to start over all over again. They've been in this yeah. period of mediocrity, this whole Claude Giroux hour, Sean Couturier's career. Sean Couturier is pushing 30. Claude Giroux is in his mid-30s now. Like They're going to have to make some decisions soon about how they're going to restock the cupboard and how they're going to get new new guys because listen here you've had Travis connecting here for a couple seasons as well so and I'm just making an example is that there's really no other spark there you had to find a different way to get in here and get this team energized and get this team away from the staleness and the mediocrity that was now you have chance here and I think that that's important and the signings they made here show that hey look we know we need these moves and I'm not trying to compare so if everybody's going to say, shut up. No, I'm, this is the only way you, you people are probably going to take it rationally. The moves that they have here. I feel like they're a lot set up the way the Eagles did it before the 2017 season. I, I just, I just, you have, think about it this way. You know, I'm not going to compare players and positions or whatnot, but you have like depth guys like a Chris long coming in. Okay. Who had a lot of experience and had a lot of good season was a, was a, was a pro bowler at one point when he played for the Rams. Now you have Keith Yandel coming in here. Keith Yandel was an all-star a couple times. Uh, Keith Yandel has had some really good seasons here. Yeah, he's definitely on the back end of his career, but you're not asking him to play, you know, 30 minutes a game. He's not that type of player. You're asking him to right. come here and support and bring That's why you signed him after you acquired Ristolainen. Because you Correct. know – and by the way – Like Sergei Gonchar from when the Penguins took him from when they won the Stanley Cup. They needed a guy like Sergei, Sergei Gonchar. He wasn't the top defenseman he used to be, but he scored a lot of points for him. And that's possibly what the Flyers have here. So that's a big thing to look at as well. He's 34, so he's not old, old. But he's not he's old, old. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know this until I looked it up. He hasn't missed a game since 2009. The Iron he's, Man the, streak. he's the yeah. current nine Ironman streak. Yeah. And you also have Ivan Provorov, who's also in his own little Ironman streak. He hasn't missed a game since he came into the league. Correct. So, like, Correct. this is a good sign. Yeah, like you said, they, Keith Yandel's not going to be putting up 27, 28 minutes a night. He's going to be giving you 15, 16, if 17. If that, like, yeah. this is this is a good thing for him to be able to, like, this is a perfect situation for Keith Yandel, and that's why I was excited for him because he comes with that alternative captain experience, mm-hmm. and he can come into this locker room that needs a, a shakeup because you're looking for those. We talked about it last episode: piss ants all around, not yeah. just Travis Konecki, Ristolainen, Jake, or excuse me, uh, Keith Yandel. Ryan Ellis, all of these guys are little are pissants in their own in their own right, and that's what they Keith or excuse me Chuck Fletcher was clearly going for. Not just the pissant mentality, but the fact that you now have a youth excuse me a veteran presence that this team is going to go pretty far in the playoffs. I'm, I'm predicting that 
right now. We and talked I about it last week. I don't disagree with you. I, I don't I, disagree with it at yeah. all. And, and I, I, and I, you know, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid here. You just look at it from afar and realize they put the right moves in place here. I mean, you know, I think the Martin Jones signing, I know you say Yando, I think the Martin Jones signing is the best sign they could have gotten. I, yeah, that, I, that's a home run. I just, I feel like the Martin Jones has had a bad couple seasons in San Jose because of the team falling apart around him and Doug Wilson throwing all his chips on the table for a guy like Eric Carlson and running older players like Patrick Marlowe, uh, Evander Kane, which we'll talk about later on, you know, Logan Couture, who's in his thirties now, you know, they haven't, they have a bit of an older team, especially on the back end. And I think it's suffered for a guy like Martin Jones, who has not only won a Stanley cup, he won the Stanley cup with the Kings in 2014 as a backup, but still he's getting back with his original goalie coach in Kim Dillabaugh. And not only that, in his first full season as a starter, he took the sharks to the final. So like, and he played really well. Now, again, he's had a couple down seasons here, but I think that here's the way I look and at they're it. They're pretty Jones. down though. That's the thing. Like there are a couple but of you, them, but they're pretty down. But perspective, look how bad the Sharks have been. That's key. Eric Carlson was injured. Your best defenseman really is Brett Burns, but he's older. You have Marco Revlax, who's probably their best overall defenseman. That's not saying much. Overall, it's- that team has taken a huge step back. It's not saying much, but here's the counter to that. Like, yes, he he gets a change of scenery here, but there's no guarantee that this is going to work. The blue line looks good on paper, but they're old. Yes, we have Keith Yandel that we just talked about being Mr. Iron Man. He hasn't missed a, missed a game since 2009. But still, like, if, if all of a sudden you're talking about Sam Moran being a consistent top six guy and he's not, like he's a top eight guy. He can fill in a gap here and there when Yandel needs a break or whatever the case may be. And it's just like, and Carter, like, and the other thing is just Carter Hart. There's too many question marks, sadly about Carter Hart right now from myself, from the fan base. Like it's not a overreaction to say that Carter Hart's off season last year was a disaster. I like what happened to Carter Hart was probably the least, the most, Shocking thing to happen this season, this past season with the Flyers. I don't think anyone anticipated that to happen. I don't think anybody anticipated the Flyers being this bad this past season. Yeah, but I think a lot of that's not just Carter Hart. When your defense isn't good, your your goaltending is usually not good. You're a hundred percent right. But he at the same time, my point about Martin Jones. That's exactly my point. That well, let's let's play like this this scenario where if if there's a scenario where all of a sudden Carter Hart is is regressing back to what he was or is staying at the level he was in in 2021 for those 56 games or whatever he ended up playing. It was obviously a 50, 56 game season, but you're telling me you have faith that Martin Jones can be a starter. If Carter Hart falls flat on his face again, 100%, 100%, I, I, I can't buy a veteran that. backup. It's that veteran backup. It's not, yes, but the, he, the history tells me that he's not that he's his just a history guy. tells you he should, because he played 65 games in his first season started with 37 and 23 second season as a starter, 65 games, 35 and 23, 30, this, this third season, 60 games as a starter, 30 and 22, his fourth season, 62 games, 36 and 19. It's been the last two seasons that really have been down for him. And one of them was the uh, shutdown impact. And this past season, they were just brutal. So you have a guy here who can play 60 games. This is why this is so big, not only just for the Flyers, but for Martin Jones in general. Martin Jones has a chance to kind of 
reclaim his career. Look, he had a really good start to his career. When he first started playing with the Kings, I think it was a couple games he had like three of his first three games were shutouts. It was sick. Like he really had a good start to his career and he played really well as a starter and he makes some big saves. Now, his play took a little bit of a dive. He struggled at some point against the playoffs against Vegas and a couple seasons ago, but they came back and won that series in overtime in game seven. All that aside, he carried him to the final in 2016. Even that aside, you have a guy here where it's similar to the Cam Talbot situation from two years ago. Cam Talbot was a guy who came in here as a starter from Edmonton. His game fell flat on his face. The Flyers brought him in here to back up Carter Hart, who, ironically enough, it was his training partner in the offseason. They knew each other from training in the offseason. Mm-hmm. After the season, Cam Talbot, the Flyers offered him a contract. He bet on himself and said, no, I could still start in this league. Signed with Calgary, had a fantastic season, had a really good playoff, earned himself big money with the Minnesota Wild. It says much about the Minnesota Wild, but still, he had a really good solid season with him this year. Let him, and I think the, I thought they, and they had, he had overall a good bet and gambled on himself, and he won. Martin Jones is kind of in the same boat, but you might have a diamond in the rough here because if he does have a good season, you only have him on a one year, $2 million deal. And here's the key there's a lot of back to backs in the schedule coming up. So now you have a guy like Carter Hart where you don't want to run him 50, 60 games. You have a guy here where if Carter Hart does get hurt or if he falters, you can look at his stats and say, oh, you know what? This guy can carry us for 60 games. So the answer to your question is yes. And this has happened from – I've said this many episodes ago. This has happened in the playoffs where other goalies where they kind of taken a step back a little bit and another veteran guy came in to kind of right the ship. Marc-Andre Fleury is going to the Hall of Fame. If you don't remember, Thomas Vokun played in the playoffs for them in 20, 2013 because he did not play that well at all. And he, he played in the playoffs over Marc-Andre Fleury, who already at that point had won a Stanley Cup. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is that, you know, Braden Holpe also had Thomas Vokun, ironically, behind him at one point as well, played a lot behind him also. My whole point I'm trying to make is that the thing is now you have security. And a guy you know can carry the team and carry the workload if Carter Hart falters off. Now, if he doesn't falter out, that's still great because it means you don't have to play him 60 games. You can play him 40 to 45 and kind of have a 1A, 1B situation where you're splitting the team. Yeah, but if he's playing well, if he's playing well, you need to get him to that 55, 60. No, you do not. Because if you do, then you're going to wear him down for the playoffs, especially with a lot of back to backs. You cannot do that. This is not a league anymore where your top goaltender can constantly play 60 games and you can go win and win the final. You cannot do that. You got to play anywhere between 40 and 50. So that way you have enough legs to get through a grueling postseason. And to go back again about your point about this whole team, but, but I, this team but, is going to play very hard to play against. They're they're going to be yes. a, They have an identity that no matter win or lose, it's a Philadelphia identity where they're going to be extremely hard to play against. They're just going to yes. if they're not if they're behind on the scoreboard, they're just going to keep playing hard and really just wind up beating the hell out of you. So, Iro- yeah, ironically, this is a very Broad Street bullies still mentality, but it's the new era 2021 broad street bullies grit that's what don't need just speed you need grit and tampa showed that last year and they showed it the year before you need grit and the flyers gonna have it this year yeah but tampa's still gonna like if we're comparing them to tampa right now tampa bay just outpowers them night in night out it seems right now matter it doesn't matter yes their top lines are extremely skilled that's why you loaded up on defense but the mm-hmm. thing is is that with tampa it's that they their bottom six were just as important as their top six this postseason so going back, what I'm saying is that you need that grit. And there's Detroit teams from the late 90s. They had a lot of skill up front, but they were gritty in the back end. Colorado, 
the Dallas, Detroit, I, I'm sorry, uh, New Jersey, all those teams had gritty, gritty teams overall. Like in the postseason, like the Kings teams that won a decade ago, the, the Blackhawks, their bottom pairings, their bottom lines were always very gritty. Now it's always been a build around speed, speed, speed of the past couple of years. But now you're starting to see that importance of grit to be able to grind teams out and wear them down over the course of a seven game playoff series. But that's what I'm saying is that having a goaltender going like Martin Jones and a play and signings a Keith Yandel and Nate Thompson, this, this, this I'm telling you, I, I have not been so jacked up. I don't care who's in net. I can rely on both. I don't care who's on D. I have enough depth where I can rely on everybody. And even my Ford would even signing Nate Thompson, as much as people want to boo that, it's a good guy to have in your locker room, a good guy to have in your lineup. So the moves the Flyers have made this offseason, from goaltending, defense, forward, I just I, I, I go back from the beginning of this conversation. Dude, I am drinking the Kool-Aid. I am yeah. Jack. I am ready for hockey to start tomorrow, like I, tomorrow. Like- I am too. Like I, it's just one of those things where I'm sipping the Kool Aid. I'm not drinking it. I'm giving. I'm taking a little. I'm chugging a gallon of it. <laughs> Give me one of them big ass coolers, man. I'm telling you that you put like beer. In, I'm chugging that whole yeah. thing. The one the big jugs the construction guys have on site. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm drinking the whole thing, and you know it might fire back on me later on. But we'll talk about that if it ever happens. Yeah. All right. So let before. Before we wrap, we have to talk about the most ridiculous NHL story that has erupted in the past week. Oh, the Chicago uh, Blackhawks, uh, a sexual assault story that nobody wants to talk about. Oh, I missed this. You didn't oh, know wait. about this? The, no. The, the, yes. how they had, like, from the 2010 championship team. You know what? I'm just going to say this. I know we're going to talk about the Evander Kane situation, and I don't mean to steal your thunder. But the fact that this is not getting enough press and the Evander Kane thing is, even though we're going to talk about it, it is still just beyond me how like teams can just kind of cover this stuff up. Well, like, take, take, take two away. minutes. What's going, what's going on? Cause I, 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 I think I, cause there obviously you had the Patrick Kane sexual assault stuff happen. Uh, but this is way more, I don't want to say, but way more intricate from what I remember from, if this is the same uh, assault story that I was reading like a month and a half ago or so. So, yeah, that's basically what it is. It's like, you know, like the, the video coach with the sexual assault, all that stuff. I'm like, I'm be honest with you. I'm not too privy on all the details. It's kind of keeping a little bit hush hush. But mm-hmm. apparently it's something that came down to where internally they knew about it and they took zero action. Yeah, and that's what frustrates me the most, I think, is that you can just cover and i think it's a little more painful because it's a 2009 2010 team let's not let you know just put that little nugget out there right but it 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 makes me concerned because we talked about this if you remember a, a year year and a half ago but the whole situation with mike babcock and uh johan franzen like basically wanting to quit the team because it just mike babcock just drained him so emotionally and basically scarred him emotionally and gave him basically like anxiety and stuff and Ken Holland, the GM of Detroit at the time, did nothing about it. And you can't tell me those things as a GM, you don't know that he said, oh, I don't know anything about it. There's no way you don't know anything about it. Everything is, everybody talks, everything's close-knit. They know. So now that's what pisses me off, I think, is that it's the same concept. Oh, we we didn't know, we didn't know, we didn't know. We would have handled it if it did. No, no, you wouldn't have. Because if you knew about it, like everybody apparently did know about it, you wouldn't have handled it at the time. So, 
and maybe I'm just off my rocker a little bit because I find it frustrating that people want to focus on the gambling aspect more than, than possibly a team knowing about sexual assault and not handling anything and possibly a team knowing that a coach was basically abusing a player and not doing anything about it until the Akeem Alou situation happened in Calgary and the coach got fired, Bill Peters. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Started the change. But well, honestly, like just to connect it all to the Invander Kane stuff that I was going to talk about, like we were told about it a week ago and we haven't heard anything since then. All the NHL said was we're taking this matter seriously and going to investigate it thoroughly. Like basically, if you've been living under a rock, Invander Kane was accused by his soon to be ex-wife. Uh, I don't think they're officially divorced. They're estranged, but she basically accused him of being a, the Pete Rose of the NHL, tanking games on him on himself, betting because he has a huge gambling problem. And now we're hearing nothing about it. Like there's no I, I like it's been a week. So what can you follow up with? But it goes all in all the same to the sexual assault that's happening, potentially accused in Chicago. And now we have this in San Jose. Like the NHL could have a serious, serious, serious problem on their hands on two ends. You talk about burning. You don't want to burn the candle on two ends. They are about to have a fire, a full-blown fire on two ends of the league offices. And I don't think they're ready for this. Like, I, like there is a serious problem within the NHL uh, outside the game of actual hockey. And if anyone has less faith in Gary Bettman than me, Please talk to me because Gary Bettman's not going to be able to handle this. I don't uh, think. You're talking to him right now. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the key and kind of not compare situations there. There, The problem is the NHL has a, has a certain culture. It seems like, and it seems like that culture is very, everything that goes on in the locker room behind it stays in the locker room and goes behind it. It's a very close knit thing, which I understand you're, these guys act they're, they're They feel like they're family because they, they are with each other for, you know, nine months out of the year, you know, through thick and thin traveling city to city, all this stuff that, you know, here's the problem is that when Blackhawks players comes out and say like Nick Boynton basically said, you know, like, uh, the, every, you know, anonymous players, should we not, I don't want to misquote Nick Boynton. Anonymous players say every team, every player on the team knew about what was going on. Like all this stuff being, you know, it was like an open secret. Brent Sopel goes out on Twitter. Brent Sopel, who's a defenseman for the 2010 team, basically said the front office staff should be in jail for what happened. Like, but that's the key is that he has a point is that the he said specifically in that tweet, the NHL is showing its true colors. Kind of the same thing with this situation with Evander Kane. Like normally in these kind of situations, you know, the NHL needs to, take more charge and of things going on that are misconduct. I just feel like that a lot of it gets swept under the rug and it's handled internally, which in one sense is fine. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not. So like, if there's something where like someone should be deserved to be in jail for some sort of sexual assault, well, they need to be handled appropriately. They're not, that's not look. And the problem is you're looking at 2021 through a 2021 lens and not a 2010 lens when 2010, this is, this is the way it was. It was accepted. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like the, the whole, you didn't have the me too movement. You didn't have any of that coming out until years later. And correct. It's tough. Like I think it's still wrong. It's still wrong. I think the biggest problem is you have to talk about the statute of limitations issue. Like, like I'm not trying to get into a legal discussion of what's what's right and wrong. Either, no matter what, what we we both are in agreement, it's wrong. Like, it has to be addressed in some capacity. But like, it's very tough when we're talking about something that happened now 11, 12 years ago over the course of several years. Like, you can only do so much, and I think that's the problem. Right. Yeah. Like there's there's you, you can address stuff 
but you have to address it in the scope of what you have available to you. What you have available 11 years later is vastly different from the information you have from the years that it was actually going on. And that's the problem. That's the biggest problem, especially like when we're going back in time under the me too movement, it's right, but you have to tread carefully because you're going down a very tough road to navigate without harming a lot of people un- unwillingly. And and here's here's the key, though. At the end of the day, you know when something is right and you know when something is wrong. If you have a conscience, you understand that. Yeah. I yeah. have a problem with the fact that everybody wants to talk about what happened with Evander Kane. Yes, gambling on your own. If, if this turns out to be true, it's going to be not just devastating for Evander Kane, but it's going to be devastating for the NHL. It's going to be an yeah. awful PR nightmare. Yeah. And the problem is they need to handle it swiftly and handle it appropriately. And at the same time, they're going to try to spin it to save the image because fans are going to be pissed off about it. Look at overall though, is that at the end of the day, if you look back and even 10 years ago, something like this was popping up and every player knew apparently about this situation about, you know, like things that have been, you know, the more you read into it, you understand. I don't want to get into the details. I don't think it's appropriate to put out here. I would recommend going on and reading about it. You'll be a little bit disturbed, but the key is that players who are on the team saying everybody knew about this, it was not an open secret in the NHL responsibility. That time should have been to do a full investigation at that time, not even looking through a 2021 lens. If things are coming through where it's considered assault and it's internal, it, it, you cannot handle that internally. It should be handled the right way. 2021 now yes everything is more magnified because of social media now being very prevalent because everybody is in everybody's business and because everything is right out there and as soon as word gets out there it spreads like wildfire and goes viral but it doesn't mean it's because now 11 years later it's coming under fire doesn't mean it made the it made the act any less egregious so yes while evander kane could be in some trouble here, even though he's vehemently denied it. And his attorney said, don't go out and say anything. And he did go out and say it and deny it. So if he gets in any trouble, that's a problem. Whatever. If he did it, it's, it is what it is. You know, you can't go back and, you know, say, oh, well, how, how did the NHL? Look, when the NHL started saying they started partnering with betting points, honestly, I was like, okay, how long is it going to last for somebody finally gets caught doing it? Because yeah, and yeah. like what what the difference like what's happening at Evander Kane is this is not going to be mutually exclusive to the NHL or to Evander Kane. Correct. This is going to come out like the, at some point. These, yes, these these players, some of these players have gambling problems. It, it's part Correct. like he I, I like does I, have a, he, well, sorry, I don't want to say does he did have a gambling problem. He yes. actually had problems with financials because of gambling. Right. And his deal got basically a lien put against it because of the loans that he had right from his so it's one of those guy. things where you can easily look at the white the now as we as i said earlier estranged soon to be ex-wife maybe just taking advantage of the situation to bury her soon to be ex-husband it's, it's, it's entirely possible it so is hopefully I'm, hopefully I hate to say it hopefully it is hopefully it really he really didn't gamble on anything because that becomes a big problem because yeah. one of the things I had, and then look, I think that it's great that people can openly and legally bet on games now. That's people want to choose how to do that with their money. That's on them. If yep. they have hunches and want to do that, it's fine. But I, I always thought I had concerns at some point of players doing it, and yep. you know, it, it, no matter what league, because you had to think of a guy, you know, with that kind of money and that kind of cockiness. Not saying Evander Kane, but saying like, let's look at an NFL. Let's look at the divas of wide receivers in the NHL and the, the NFL. Yep. You got to be like. I know I'm going to go out there and have a cut touchdown catch tomorrow. I'm going to put five grand on myself or whatnot. You don't think a yeah, guy would do right, that. Do you right. really think that like, come on, if you, if you don't think that you're naive and maybe I'm being a little critical, but at the same time, it's very likely. And that would be my concern is that then you have guys 
Yes, it could be could you know uh, construed as oh he's throwing games and he's cheating and stuff like that. But I look at it the flip side. I don't really buy the Evander Kane stuff just personally. We'll wait till the facts are out. But my personal thought so far is that he won one of the best seasons of his career so far this past season. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, he's throwing games. Like, it's a hell of a lot. Games. He's an all. He's one of the best players in the NHL. Yeah. Like, it's very easy to look at to disprove the accusations against Evander Kane because you just look at his stat line and go from there. Yeah. Like, like you said, he had one of his best seasons in 56 games. He was just under a point a game. I think he had 49 points over this, over this last season out of 56 games, just under a point a game. That's not something that screams to me, a guy that's gambling on himself to tank. So you're right. And so I, 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 in that sense, I do agree. You know, they, there was an article that come out and say, well, how could a NHL player like throw a game, even though it's right. like, and they talk about like taking penalties, time on ice and stuff like that, a lack of offense, but you know, it overall he had one of the best years, years of his career this past season. I'm just not buying it. And if the stats come out and it, 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 the the information comes out and I'm wrong, then I'll admit I'm wrong. There's there's nothing wrong with that. I I just I hope it's not true for the sake of you know just sports in general because I think that once in a Pete Rose was an was a crazy thing and it just wound up happening with his manager. It was such an appalling thing at the time. I just have a concern that it would be worse than the Pete Rose scandal because, and you have an active player participating in it. And you got to wonder too, it's going to start questioning, considering that how many more people will be aware of what's going on. How many people will be like, wow, like, I don't even want to gamble on the game anymore. Are these players going to throw it? They even trust it. I just feel like it's just going to add more questions than there are answers. That's why I hope it's not true from that perspective. Cause yeah. Um, I don't know anything about Evander Kane personally. I would hope you don't have that type of character to do that. Uh, but yet again, it just goes back to when I think about that, like a guy like in the NFL, the, some of the players who are, you know, really high profile and divas who are throwing a lot of cash. These young guys who have a lot of money and want to prove themselves and throw money on it. I just, that's where I'm kind of like, okay, I could see it happening. I hope yeah. not, but I could see it. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's I, my two cents on that. No, I, I don't, I don't disagree. I, I think it's one of those things where we just got to wait for the facts to come out. Like, yeah, that's all that, you have to do. Same, yeah. same thing with the Chicago same thing if, with the Blackhawks thing. You just, we just need answers. Like the NHL uh, pussyfooting around here and like not just doing anything about it or being open about what they're doing raises more questions than answers for fans and analytical people 100%. like you and I. And yep. that's the problem. And that's the Gary Benton problem that we've been plagued with for since he took over the league in 93 or 92, whatever it was. Like yep. that's the problem. Yep. So that's going to – hopefully we get some answers. They have to – if not, if nothing else, we have to get answers by October. Like you have yeah. to have some sort of answer or deliberate, like here's where we stand with the investigation. We're going to do X, Y, Z while we're in the middle of it. And we're starting the season. Here's how it's going to go down. But that's going to be something that we're not going to know until October. Honestly, yeah, like it's just one of those things. I just, I just think it just pisses me off how there are, is an investigation right into the comments from Evander Kane about betting because it involves money, but yet again, assault things and the NHL doesn't want to take any action. I, I just, I don't understand the concept of how yep. people think in this world. And it really, it's a slap in the face to not just the sport, but the people involved as well, because what do you say? What are you thinking about them? You're not, yeah, you're more concerned right. about the money line than you are actually about people. So that yeah. is, 
Yep, I 100% agree. All right, that is going to do it for episode 84 of Orange and Backcheck. Thank you always for listening. What are your thoughts? Martin Jones, Keith Yandel, and Nate Thompson, what are your thoughts on them? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Whatever it may be. Orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns, whatever it may be. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, orangeandbackcheck at gmail. Uh, Excuse me, that was the email. Orangeandbackcheck on all social media platforms. We'll talk to you next week. Don't forget, too, for your chance to win a free cookie platter, go to facebook.com slash kellybakescookie for your chance to win a free cookie platter. Ah, yes. And, of course, also keep in tune for our quick shifts that are sponsored by Kelly Bakes. Check them out all right on this podcast feed. Right, You don't have to do anything else. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next week. Bill, tell me your thoughts about Nate Thompson. Oh, fuck Nate Thompson. Fine, I'll include him.